Chapter Eight of Alice Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It's my own invention. After a while, the noise seemed gradually to die away till all was dead silence, and Alice lifted up her head in some alarm. There was no one to be seen and her first thought was that she must have been dreaming about the lion and the unicorn and those queer anglo-saxon messengers however there was the great dish still lying at her feet on which she had tried to cut the plum cake so i wasn't dreaming after all she said to herself unless unless we're all part of the same dream only i do hope it's my dream and not the red king's i don't like belonging to another person's dream she went on in a rather complaining tone i've a great mind to go and wake him and see what happens at this moment her thoughts were interrupted by a loud shouting of ahoy ahoy check and a knight dressed in crimson armour came galloping down upon her brandishing a great club just as he reached her the horse stopped suddenly you're my prisoner the knight cried as he tumbled off his horse startled as she was alice was more frightened for him than for herself at the moment and watched him with some anxiety as he mounted again as soon as he was comfortably in the saddle he began once more you're my but here another voice broke in ahoy ahoy check and alice looked round in some surprise for the new enemy this time it was a white knight he drew up at alice's side and tumbled off his horse just as the red knight had done then he got on again and the two knights sat looking at each other for some time without speaking alice looked from one to the other in some bewilderment she is my prisoner you know the red knight said at last yes but then i came and rescued her the white knight replied well we must fight for her then said the red knight as he took up his helmet which hung from the saddle and was something the shape of a horse's head and put it on you will observe the rules of battle of course the white knight remarked putting on his helmet too i always do said the red knight and they began banging away at each other with such fury that alice got behind a tree to be out of the way of the blows i wonder now what the rules of battle are she said to herself as she watched the fight timidly peeping out from her hiding-place one rule seems to be that if one knight hits the other he knocks him off his horse and if he misses he tumbles off himself and another rule seems to be that they hold their clubs with their arms as if they were punch and judy what a noise they make when they tumble just like a whole set of fire irons falling into the fender and how quiet the horses are they let them get on and off them just as if they were tables another rule of battle that alice had not noticed seemed to be that they always fell on their heads 
and the battle ended with their both falling off in this way side by side when they got up again they shook hands and then the red knight mounted and galloped off it was a glorious victory wasn't it said the white knight as he came up panting i don't know alice said doubtfully i don't want to be anybody's prisoner i want to be a queen so you will when you've crossed the next brook said the white knight i'll see you safe to the end of the wood and then i must go back you know that's the end of my move thank you very much said alice may i help you off with your helmet it was evidently more than he could manage by himself however she managed to shake him out of it at last now one can breathe more easily said the knight putting back his shaggy hair with both hands and turning his gentle face and large mild eyes to alice she thought she had never seen such a strange-looking soldier in all her life he was dressed in tin armour which seemed to fit him very badly and he had a queer-shaped little deal-box fastened across his shoulder upside down and with the lid hanging open alice looked at it with great curiosity i see you're admiring my little box the knight said in a friendly tone it's my own invention to keep clothes and sandwiches in you see i carry it upside down so that the rain can't get in but the things can get out alice gently remarked do you know the lid's open i didn't know it the knight said a shade of vexation passing over his face then all the things must have fallen out and the box is no use without them he unfastened it as he spoke and was just going to throw it into the bushes when a sudden thought seemed to strike him and he hung it carefully on a tree can you guess why i did that he said to alice alice shook her head in hopes some bees may make a nest in it then i should get honey but you've got a beehive or something like one fastened to the saddle said alice yes it's a very good beehive the knight said in a discontented tone one of the best but not a single bee has come near it yet and the other thing is a mouse-trap i suppose the mice keep the bees out or the bees keep the mice out i don't know which i was wondering what the mouse-trap was for said alice it isn't very likely there would be any mice on the horse's back not very likely perhaps said the knight but if they do come i don't choose to have them running all about you see he went on after a pause it's as well to be provided for everything that's the reason the horse has all those anklets round its feet but what are they for alice asked in a tone of great curiosity to guard against the bites of sharks the knight replied it's an invention my own and now help me on i'll go with you to the end of the wood what's the dish for it's meant for plum cake said alice we'd better take it with us the knight said it'll come in handy if we find any plum cake help me to get it into this bag this took a very long time to manage 
though alice held the bag open very carefully because the night was so very awkward in putting in the dish the first two or three times that he tried he fell in himself instead it's rather a tight fit you see he said as they got it in at last there are so many candlesticks in the bag and he hung it to the saddle which was already loaded with bunches of carrots and fire irons and many other things i hope you've got your hair well fastened on he continued as they set off only in the usual way alice said smiling that's hardly enough he said anxiously you see the wind is so very strong here it's as strong as soup have you not invented a plan for keeping the hair from being blown off alice inquired not yet said the knight but i've got a plan for keeping it from falling off i should like to hear it very much first you take an upright stick said the knight then you make your hair creep up it like a fruit tree now the reason hair falls off is because it hangs down things never fall upwards you know it's a plan of my own invention you may try it if you like it didn't sound a comfortable plan alice thought and for a few minutes she walked on in silence puzzling over the idea and every now and then stopping to help the poor knight who certainly was not a good rider whenever the horse stopped which it did very often he fell off in front and whenever it went on again which it generally did rather suddenly he fell off behind otherwise he kept on pretty well except that he had a habit of now and then falling off sideways and as he generally did this on the side on which alice was walking she soon found that it was the best plan not to walk quite close to the horse i'm afraid you've not had much practice in riding she ventured to say as she was helping him from his fifth tumble the knight looked very much surprised and a little offended at the remark what makes you say that he asked as he scrambled back into the saddle keeping hold of alice's hair with one hand to save himself from falling over on the other side because people don't fall off quite so often when they've had much practice i've had plenty of practice the knight said very gravely plenty of practice alice could think of nothing better to say than indeed but she said it as heartily as she could they went on a little way in silence after this the knight with his eyes shut muttering to himself and alice watching anxiously for the next tumble the great art of riding the knight suddenly began in a loud voice waving his right arm as he spoke is to keep here the sentence ended as suddenly as it had begun as the knight fell heavily on the top of his head exactly in the path where alice was walking she was quite frightened this time and said in an anxious tone as she picked him up i hope no bones are broken none to speak of the knight said as if he didn't mind breaking two or three of them the great art of riding as i was saying is to keep your balance properly like this you know he let go the bridle and stretched out both his arms to show alice what he meant and this time he fell flat on his back right under the horse's feet plenty of practice he went on repeating all the time that alice was getting him on his feet again 
Yeah, plenty of practice. It's too ridiculous, cried Alice, losing all her patience this time. You ought to have a wooden horse on wheels, that you ought. Uh, does that kind go smoothly? the knight asked in a tone of great interest, clasping his arm round the horse's neck as he spoke, just in time to save himself from tumbling off again. Much more smoothly than a live horse, Alice said with a little scream of laughter, in spite of all she could do to prevent it. I'll get one, the knight said thoughtfully to himself. One or two, several. There was a short silence after this, and then the knight went on again. I'm a great hand at inventing things. Now, I dare say you noticed the last time you picked me up that I was looking rather thoughtful. You were a little grave, said Alice. Well, then, just then I was inventing a new way of getting over a gate. Would you like to hear it? Very much indeed, Alice said politely. I'll tell you how I came to think of it, said the knight. You see, I said to myself, the only difficulty is with their feet. Their head is high enough already. Now, first I put my head on the top of the gate. Then I stand on my head. Then the feet are high enough, you see. Then I'm over, you see. Yes, I suppose you'd be over when that was done, Alice said thoughtfully. But don't you think it would be rather hard? I haven't tried it yet, the knight said gravely so I can't tell for certain, but I'm afraid it would be a little hard. He looked so vexed at the idea that Alice changed the subject hastily. What a curious helmet you've got, she said cheerfully. Is that your invention too? The knight looked down proudly at his helmet, which hung from the saddle. Yes, he said, but I've invented a better one than that, like a sugar loaf. When I used to wear it, if I fell off the horse, it always touched the ground directly. So I had a very little way to fall, you see. But there was the danger of falling into it, to be sure. That happened to me once, and the worst of it was, before I could get out again, the other white knight came and put it on. He thought it was his own helmet. The knight looked so solemn about it that Alice did not dare to laugh. I'm afraid you must have hurt him she said in a trembling voice, being on the top of his head. I had to kick him, of course, the knight said very seriously. And then he took the helmet off again. But he took hours and hours to get me out. I was as fast as, as lightning, you know. But that's a different kind of fastness, Alice objected. The knight shook his head. It was all kinds of fastness with me, I can assure you, he said. He raised his hands in some excitement as he said this, and instantly rolled out of the saddle and fell headlong into a deep ditch. Alice ran to the side of the ditch to look for him. She was rather startled by the fall, as for some time he had kept on very well, and she was afraid that he really was hurt this time. However, though she could see nothing but the soles of his feet, she was much relieved to hear that he was talking on in his usual tone. All kinds of fastness, he repeated. But it was careless of him to put another man's helmet on, with a man in it too. How can you go on talking so quietly, head down? Alice asked, 
as she dragged him out by the feet and laid him in a heap on the bank the knight looked surprised at the question what does it matter where my body happens to be he said my mind goes on working all the same in fact the more head downwards i am the more i keep inventing new things now the cleverest thing of the sort that i ever did he went on after a pause was inventing a new pudding during the meat course in time to have it cooked for the next course said alice well not the next course the knight said in a slow thoughtful tone no certainly not the next course then it would have to be the next day i suppose you wouldn't have two pudding courses in one dinner well not the next day the knight repeated as before not the next day in fact he went on holding his head down and his voice getting lower and lower i don't believe that pudding ever was cooked in fact i don't believe that pudding ever will be cooked and yet it was a very clever pudding to invent what did you mean it to be made of alice asked hoping to cheer him up for the poor knight seemed quite low-spirited about it it began with blotting paper the knight answered with a groan that wouldn't be very nice i'm afraid not very nice alone he interrupted quite eagerly but you've no idea what a difference it makes mixing it with other things such as gunpowder and sealing wax and here i must leave you they had just come to the end of the wood alice could only look puzzled she was thinking of the pudding you are sad the knight said in an anxious tone let me sing you a song to comfort you is it very long alice asked for she had heard a good deal of poetry that day it's long said the knight but very very beautiful everybody that hears me sing it either it brings their tears into their eyes or else or else what said alice for the knight had made a sudden pause or else it doesn't you know the name of the song is called haddock's eyes oh that's the name of the song is it alice said trying to feel interested no you don't understand the knight said looking a little vexed that's what the name is called the name really is the aged aged man then i ought to have said that's what the song is called alice corrected herself no you oughtn't that's quite another thing the song is called ways and means but that's only what it's called you know well what is the song then said alice who was by this time completely bewildered i was coming to that the knight said the song really is a sitting on a gate and the tune's my own invention so saying he stopped his horse and let the reins fall on its neck then slowly beating time with one hand and with a faint smile lighting up his gentle foolish face as if he enjoyed the music of his song he began of all the strange things that alice saw in her journey through the looking-glass this was the one that she always remembered most clearly years afterwards she could bring the whole scene back again as if it had been only yesterday 
the mild blue eyes and kindly smile of the knight the setting sun gleaming through his hair and the shining on his armour in a blaze of light that quite dazzled her the horse quietly moving about with the reins hanging loose on his neck cropping the grass at her feet and the black shadows of the forest behind all this she took in like a picture as with one hand shading her eyes she leant against a tree watching the strange pair and listening in a half-dream to the melancholy music of the song but the tune isn't his own invention she said to herself it's i give thee all i can no more she stood and listened very attentively but no tears came into her eyes i'll tell thee everything i can there's little to relate i saw an aged aged man sitting on the gate who are you aged man i said and how is it you live and his answer trickled through my head like water through a sieve he said i look for butterflies that sleep among the wheat i make them into mutton pies and sell them in the street i sell them unto men he said who sail on stormy seas and that's the way i get my bread a trifle if you please but i was thinking of a plan to dye one's whiskers green and always use so large a fan that they could not be seen so having no reply to give to what the old man said i cried come tell me how you live and thumped him on the head his accent mild took up the tale he said i go my ways and when i find a mountain rill i set it in a blaze and thence they make a stuff they call roland's macassar oil yet tuppence apenny is all they give me for my toil but i was thinking of a way to feed oneself on batter and so go on from day to day getting a little fatter i shook him well from side to side until his face was blue come tell me how you live i cried and what is it you do he said i hunt for haddock's eyes among the heather bright and work them into waistcoat buttons in the silent night and these i do not sell for gold or coin of silvery shine but for a copper halfpenny and that will purchase nine i sometimes dig for butted rolls or set lime twigs for crabs i sometimes search the grassy knolls for wheels of handsome cabs and that's the way he gave a wink but which i get my wealth and very gladly will i drink your honour's noble health i heard him then for i had just completed my design to keep the menai bridge from rust by boiling it in wine i thanked him much for telling me the way he got his wealth but chiefly for his wish that he might drink my noble health and now if e'er by chance i put my fingers into glue or madly squeeze a right-hand foot into a left-hand shoe or if i drop upon my toe a very heavy weight i weep for it reminds me so of that old man i used to know 
whose look was mild whose speech was slow whose hair was whiter than the snow whose face was very like a crow with eyes like cinders all aglow who seemed distracted with his woe who rocked his body to and fro and muttered mumblingly and low as if his mouth were full of dough who snorted like a buffalo that summer evening long ago a sitting on a gate as the knight sang the last words of the ballad he gathered up the reins and turned his horse's head along the road by which they had come you've only a few yards to go he said down the hill and over that little brook and then you'll be a queen but you'll stay and see me off first he added as alice turned with an eager look in the direction to which he pointed i shan't be long you'll wait and wave your handkerchief when i get to that turn in the road i think it'll encourage me you see of course i will said alice and thank you very much for coming so far and for the song i liked it very much i hope so the knight said doubtfully but you didn't cry so much as i thought you would so they shook hands and the knight rode slowly away into the forest it won't take long to see him off i expect alice said to herself as she stood watching him there he goes right on his head as usual however he gets on again pretty easily that comes of having so many things hung round the horse so she went on talking to herself as she watched the horse walking leisurely along the road and the knight tumbling off first on one side and then on the other after the fourth or fifth tumble he reached the turn and then she waved her handkerchief to him and waited till he was out of sight i hope it encouraged him she said as she turned to run down the hill and now for the last brook and to be a queen how grand it sounds a very few steps brought her to the edge of the brook the eighth square at last she cried as she bounded over and threw herself down to rest on a lawn as soft as moss with little flower beds dotted about it here and there oh how glad i am to get here and what is this on my head she exclaimed in a tone of dismay as she put her hands up to something very heavy and fitted tight all round her head but how can it have got there without me knowing it she said to herself as she lifted it off and sat it on her lap to make out what it could possibly be it was a golden crown End of chapter 8